Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the second part of our series called The Story. And what the story is, is a chronological look at the core stories of Scripture. It's based on a book that you can buy out in the lobby today called The Story that just takes the new international version of Scripture, pulls out the core stories, and puts them together in chronological order. You can get one of those today, and it would really help you get a lot more out of this series if you did that. Last week, we kicked off talking about how God is creator. And the word used to describe God in the first few sentences of the Bible as creator, that word is only used to refer to God. And it means creating something from nothing. And we talked last week about how God did that. You can really take the story deeper by going to our website, lifepointchurch.com slash the story. There are a lot, of, uh, a lot of great tools on there for you to look at individually, for you to take to your groups, to work with your family, uh, and as we work through this book and this series called The Story. You can also listen to or even watch any parts that you miss in this story. So last week, we left off. It was right after Adam and Eve had made this horrible decision, and they had rebelled against God. And God had told them what their consequences was going to be. And in those consequences, he's talking to Eve. And he's also speaking to Satan, who deceived her and caused her to rebel against God. And he gives them the consequences. Like, here's what's going to happen because. And he says to Eve that for the rest of her descendants' days, that Satan, that evil, is going to be striking at the heels of her descendants. And then he says to the serpent, who represents Satan, that his head would be crushed by Eve's descendants. And that's a prophecy about Jesus Christ coming, conquering death, and crushing the consequences of sin, and crushing Satan. And right after that happened, we talked about Noah and how God regretted he hadn't made man, and so he wanted a white man off the face of the earth. There were eight people that were saved and brought through this terrible flood that destroyed everything on the earth except what was in the ark that Noah built. And then they come off of the ark, and God says, go remultiply, or go multiply and replenish people on the face of the earth. And for about a thousand years during this story, all you really read about are, are kind of two things. One's genealogies, and the other is about this group of people, or all people, who got together, and they were so united, and they were so proud of themselves that they decided to build this tower. And they were going to build this tower all the way up to reach God, and they were bragging about that, and that's called the Tower of Babel, and God confused their language so they could no longer communicate with each other, and they were spread out around the entire globe. And that's where we pick up the story today. We read about a guy named Abraham. You just saw a few verses about. The interesting thing about Abraham, you have to kind of see where he fits in this story of this promise that God made to Eve that her descendants would crush the head of Satan. Abraham comes from the line of Shem, who was one of Noah's sons. Noah comes from the line of Eve. And so you can start tracing that back all the way from Eve down to Abraham. 
And Abraham becomes, what we're going to talk about today, the poster child for what faith looks like in the Bible. Generations, even today, all of these years after the life of Abraham, we're talking about him and saying what a great example of faith he is. So let's get started in the next part. It's in Genesis chapter 12. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now if you don't have a Bible. The ushers will give you one. It's yours to keep if you would like a Bible, or if you'd like to borrow it, you can leave it in the back on the way out. I'll also put all the scriptures on the screen, and you can read there as well. And if you're going through the story, there's also a resource on our website you might want to get. It's, a, it's kind of a guide that tells you where each paragraph or each chapter of the storybook comes from the Bible, and you can kind of match those up and see where that is in your Bible. It has book, chapter, and verse. So we're going to talk about God's initial contact with a guy named Abraham. And his initial contact with Abraham was so he could start this new nation. Because from this nation, remember, Abraham is a descendant of Eve. And so from this new nation, God is going to eventually birth the Savior, Jesus. Now, originally, or initially, Abraham is called Abram. God would eventually change his name. Abraham's wife is initially called Sarai, eventually starts calling her Sarah. So we pick up that story in Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This story fits in perfectly with God's big story. And that's one of the reasons we decided to do this series called The Story, because oftentimes reading the Bible can feel like trying to work a puzzle without the big picture. You ever try to do that? You just find a bunch of puzzle pieces. It's pretty unlikely you're going to assemble those in the right way unless you have the big picture. And so every week throughout the next several months, we're going to be looking at the big picture and then little stories, pieces of the story like this, and see how they fit in God's bigger plan. And this part of the story starts out with God making a promise to a guy named Abram. But this is a very unlikely guy to choose if you're going to build a nation. If you're going to build a nation, you should choose a politician, right? Well, maybe not. Maybe that wouldn't work. But you should choose. Everybody's going, no, not a politician. That would never work. You should, you should include a visionary or somebody that's a strong leader or somebody that's well-known. But God comes to this guy, Abram, and he chooses the least likely of person that we would pick to build a nation. He's 75 years old when God calls him and says, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Most people 75 are trying to wind things down, not pick things up. You know, they're trying to enjoy the later years of life, make it a little bit easier, enjoy things a little bit, enjoy the grandkids, have a little bit of fun. They're not thinking, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to get a new career. I think I'm going to do something different. I mean, it's great if you do that, but that's normally not who you think about when you think this person is going to do great, great things and build something and make a big difference. Later in the Bible, we find out that this guy, Abram, comes from a family who builds idols and probably worships idols. So we would never pick this guy. So why did God? I don't know. It never tells us. But one thing is clear from reading the Bible is that God has a pattern of using unlikely people 
to do amazing things. See, you may have come in here today, maybe you're looking for some answers. Maybe somebody just drug you here. Maybe they forced you to be here. Maybe you think you can't make a difference. Maybe you're just tired. You've tried everything else in life and maybe, hey, this is going to work. But you can't be too messed up to be used by God. It doesn't matter what you've done. It does not matter what people have done to you. You can't mess up too much for God to use you. Because throughout Scripture, God used old, insecure, fearful, prideful, immoral, and even disobedient people to accomplish His will. So God can use you no matter where you are and no matter what you've done. In fact, that seems to be the kind of people God prefers to use. Really messed up people that you would look at and say, there's no way that person did that. There's no way a 75-year-old guy with a 65-year-old wife could build this nation that would birth a Savior. You need to pick somebody young. No, God picked who he wanted, and God used him in a big way. And it's clear who was in control. One thing's for sure in this story. We discover that this guy, Abraham, had great faith. And that's what part two of the story is all about. Faith and what it looks like and how it acts. Because immediately in this story, a couple of things happen. One, Abram hears from God. And two, he acts on what he heard from God. He hears and then he does. Genesis 12 verse 4 says, So Abram went as the Lord had told him. He didn't just listen. He didn't just sit and say, God, that's very interesting. Thank you very much. I'm going to get on with my life. None of that. He heard what God said and he did it. It started with a belief and it blossomed into an action. There's a great chapter in the New Testament. It's in the book of Hebrews. Write this down because I'm not going to be able to go through it all. But Hebrews chapter 11 talks about and defines faith for us. And so it starts off giving this one sentence definition of faith. But then the writer of this New Testament book starts to recount stories from people who are recorded in the Old Testament. And what they did and how their faith acted and what a difference they made. And how their faith expressed worked. So it was so much more than just them mentally assenting to. Abraham could have said, yes, I believe that was God. Now I'm going on about my life. He didn't do that. He believed it was God and he acted. He took off just like God said. And he had no idea where he was going. So the first thing we learn about faith from this story, if you're taking notes, write this down, is faith is following God even when you don't know where you're going. I mean, God said go, and he went. Can you imagine the conversation this 75-year-old guy had with his wife, who's thinking it's time to, you know, kind of kick back a little bit, and he says, honey, guess what? We're moving, and it's not to Florida. You know, we're going somewhere. Where are we going? I don't know. God just said to go. Now, in Sarah's defense, guys can come up with some pretty dumb ideas sometimes, can't we, guys? When I turned 40, I wanted to relive the, the time of my youth. I used to ride motorcycles a lot as a teenager, uh, a little bit after that. And when I turned 40, I thought, hey, it's been 20 years. It's time to buy another motorcycle. And so my wife neither agreed nor forbid it. So I took that as a green light. Her, she was neutral. And I was like, well, that's good enough for me. I'm getting one. So I got one, everything that goes with it. Three weeks later, I was right down here at Wake Med North in the emergency room with a concussion. I don't even remember it. I don't even remember the day. And it all started out with me saying, hey, you know what I ought to do? 
And a lot of guys make a lot of stupid mistakes starting out thinking, you know what I ought to do? You know what would be a great idea? I mean, guys, you know, we, we do that sometimes. Take a look at these pictures of some guys doing some really, really bad things. I mean, isn't that so male, ladies, isn't it? Isn't that what guys do? Just crazy stuff. So, so when you can take those down so everybody doesn't stare around the rest of the time. Those are just random shots. I have no idea who that is. But here's Abraham in his 70s. His wife had every reason to say, that is the dumbest idea I ever heard. So God talked to you, and we're going, and you don't know where we're going. We got all this stuff. We built this life here, and you don't know. No, I don't know, but we're going. And we're going to take our family with us. And she's like, and the in-laws? Yep, the in-laws. Okay, how about your cousins? Yep, they're going too. Brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, nieces and nephews. Yep, all of them are going. Imagine that. You're buying a camper, and your family's buying a camper, and you agree, you're buying a camper, and you agree you're all going cross-country together, and you're just going to live together, and, and you're just going to travel together. Oh, my gosh, what would that be like? It would be difficult. There's no question Abraham believed this was God in order to undertake something like that, picking up his whole family and taking off and just going. God could have chosen any way he wanted to to tell us what faith is. He could have just given us a definition saying, faith is this, do this, and you'll have faith. But he chose to tell us through the story of a man that lived thousands of years ago that we still talk about today. It took 13 chapters of the book of Genesis to tell Abraham and Sarah's story. And a couple thousand years after this, when the New Testament is starting to be written down, there are 75 times in the New Testament where Abraham is mentioned. So it really was a story that demonstrated what faith was. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says this, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he didn't know where he was going. So he heard from God and there was action even though he didn't understand it, even though he didn't quite get it. Heard from God, acted. Now, in life, we like to be educated. Don't you like to be educated before you start to do something? I do. I mean, I like to have at least a calculated guess that I'm going to succeed before I even start out. When we decided we're going to have children, Cindy and I were waiting and waiting, and finally we find out you're going to have a baby. And so, the, so then I was really intimidated. I didn't know. I'd never really been around babies, so I didn't know what to do. So I went out and bought every book I could on how to be a dad. And I started reading them. And then we found out it was going to be a girl. That had a whole other level of complexity. I didn't know how that half worked. I knew how my half worked, and that worried me. So I knew I needed to read a little bit more. And so I picked up these books, and I have this one book that I go to over, went to over and over again as the kids were growing up. It's called She Calls Me Daddy. I don't even know if it's in print anymore. But it's a great book. And so I consulted that book all along the way. Now, what if the first night... The first week, Molly is crying and she's screaming and keeping us up. And the first thing I do, instead of going to her bedroom, I get out the book. Well, okay. All right. And then I go back to bed. After I get hit with a pillow by my wife, I would go and do something. What if, what if when she got sick, the first thing I did was just pick up the book and read it? What if, what if when she started potty training and all the mess that goes with that, I was just like, well, let me read the book and see how this is supposed to work. And then the teenage years, oh my gosh, 
you know, when that comes along. There's no book written that's going to tell you how to do that. You just got to figure that out on your own. What if I had just read the book and never put it into action? I think my influence on my girls would not have been what it was able to be. Because I took the knowledge and I put it in to practice. And that's what Abraham was doing. He was taking the knowledge that God had called him and he was putting it in to practice. And his action was that he went out without knowing what he was doing and he followed God. So faith is following even when you don't know where you're going. And you may feel God prompting you, sending you to do something new, different. And that's why it's called faith. If we knew everything, if we knew all the answers, it wouldn't be called faith. It would be called something else. So first, that was the first thing about faith. second thing about faith is believing God even when it doesn't make sense. And there have been times in my life that something didn't make sense and I had to believe in God anyway. I had to trust that God had my best interest at heart. I had to trust that God was going to work it out. I had to trust that He was going to deliver me because from my eyes, it made no sense. See, Abram's move that he made with his family, it started causing tension. Surprise, you move, start moving with your family, your, all your family, in-laws and everybody else, there's going to be tension. You can read about that tension in the book of Genesis and how he and one of his cousins, they just started to, to have tension with the people that worked for them. And they ended up going their separate ways. But in this tension, Abraham started to wonder, hey, did I do the right thing? Is this, did I, should I do this? Am I following in the right way? Did I not, did I hear something I thought I heard? And it says, this is what God does in Genesis 15 verse 5. It says, he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. It says that Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. So when he looked up at the sky, you can see about 10,000 stars with the naked eye on a clear night with no light pollution around, which is what it would have been like for him. And God had to be a little bit laughing because Abraham says, oh, 10,000 descendants, perfect. But there are millions and billions of stars. And so God was saying, you are going to be the father of millions and billions. Some the physical father, but like us through adoption, he's our spiritual father. You are going to be the father of many. That's how many descendants you are going to have. And God is saying, Abraham, listen, I made this stuff. I made these stars. I can surely make two senior citizens conceive a child. Because Abraham has to be wondering, great God, I see all the stars. I get it. Problem is, I don't have any kids. And I'm old. And another 10 years go by. Nothing happens. No kids. 86 and 76 years old. Abraham and his wife. Kids at that age is very doubtful. So God's moving slower than they want. And so Sarah comes up with this plan. It's not a good plan at all. And she's thinking, well, God must need our help. 
So let's help God along. Do you ever make that mistake? God's not moving fast enough, so you go ahead and do it for him. Oh man, I've done that so many times. Well, God must want this to be fast because my timeline is my timeline and that must be what God wants. And the way that looks in people's lives, maybe, maybe you don't have all the material things you thought you should have by this point in life. Maybe you don't have the, the material blessings or the financial blessings that you thought you should have. So what happens? Well, we probably can get good credit. So let's go out and just charge everything up so we can get the things that we feel like we're supposed to have instead of waiting on God, waiting on his blessing, waiting on his contentment. We just go try to take care of it ourselves. Or you're single and you're waiting for a spouse and you're just waiting, waiting, waiting and the spouse is not coming. And finally he's like, well, he'll do, I guess. I'll take him. Instead of waiting on God, to provide just the right person. It's like, well, I better, I'm getting older. I better grab this person while I can. That's equivalent to what Sarah's plan is because here's her plan. Okay, Abraham, we're old. You're in your 80s. I'm in my 70s. I have an idea. I have this Egyptian servant that we have in our house, Hagar. Why don't you sleep with her and see if she can conceive and then you can start this nation that God asked you to start through her. That's a really bad idea. That is not something to try at home. But then it says, Abraham did what Sarah asked. And they got out of head of God. And here's how she brought this idea up. Genesis 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Really bad idea. Because what happens, this child, Ishmael, is born. So Abraham now has a son, Ishmael. But it's not the way God planned because they did it on their own. They, would, they stopped waiting on God. They got impatient. So they just said, God, we got this better plan. Ishmael is born. And as you would expect, it wasn't long until there was some jealousy between Hagar and Sarah. And so eventually, Hagar and Ishmael are sent off into the desert. But God says to Ishmael, I'm going to make you the father of nations. And, but, but there's a catch. People will be against you. You will be against people. And that's the way it's always going to be for the nations that you father. So Ishmael goes away and, and the 12 Arab tribes come from Ishmael. And generation after generation, this kid that Abraham was his father against God's plan, descendants begin to multiply. It's where the nation of Islam is birthed. And still today, they're fighting over the same land because one side says, no, 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 Abraham's our father through Ishmael, and this all belongs to us. The other side says, no, Abraham is our father through Isaac, who we're going to read about in a minute. Abraham's our father, so it's our land, and I bet you could go today and turn on the news and still see conflict between those two descendants of Abraham. The one that, the one that Abraham and Sarah said, we're going to handle this on our own, which you can trace the nation of Islam to. And then the one that says no, no, Isaac to Abraham, that's, that is our ancestry. And that's the Jewish nation. Today, we would be called the Israelis. 
And they're still fighting between those two people. And to think that we could solve it in a generation when it hasn't been fixed for thousands of years and God said it would always be, I think is a little naive on our part. So that's where all that came from. And then 13 years go by. They got ahead of God. 13 more years go by. No child. Then God shows up again to offer Abraham some encouragement. Genesis 17. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. And kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. He's reminding him, Abraham, I made a promise. Even though you're old, even though it doesn't make sense, even though you've made huge mistakes, I'm still going to fulfill my promise through you. So Abraham's thinking, okay, God, make me fruitful. I'm near 100. I have one kid. It's not the way you planned. So God, you better get moving. I mean, how's this going to work? So Abraham, 100, Sarah now 90, she gets pregnant. How does that even happen? How does that even work? Isaac's born to them. And Sarah said this, God has brought me laughter, which is what Isaac means, laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would, have said to Ab- who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his own age. She's saying, laugh with me. Oh my gosh. See, you laughed. A hundred-year-old man, 90-year-old woman having a baby? That's funny. I mean, she had, to, she had to just walk around laughing, holding this baby. Said, now when I go to the grocery store, I have to get diapers for my baby and my husband. And there are no teeth in the house. We all eat baby food it's a, together. See, that's why his name is Isaac. It's funny to think about somebody that age having a child. It doesn't make sense, and it looks impossible. But with God, it's possible. If God can take a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman and let them conceive to birth his nation, he can handle any issue that you're facing in life right now. If you're facing issues because of your mistakes, if you're facing issues because of what someone else has done to you, if your marriage is a mess, if addiction is creeping in again, God can handle all of that. And it comes through us taking that step, that active step of faith and saying, okay, I believe this. And I'm going to do the things that God has asked me to do to receive what he's promised. It's God nudging us. So when you see things like, you know, we're advertising this marriage conference that's coming up in a few weeks. Maybe that's God nudging you and providing you with a way to get your relationship healthy. When you see us providing you ways to get connected, maybe that's God nudging you saying, maybe I ought to take that step. Maybe I should do that so I can start to develop better and more connected relationships. See, 100-year-olds normally don't have babies. And if God can do that, he can help you face any obstacle that you're facing in your life. Last thing about faith we learned from this story is that faith is obeying God even when you don't like what he says. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's, you can read and go, I really don't like that. I would like to go in this direction. And in the life of Abraham, 
After Isaac is born, finally, this child of laughter, God says this to him. Genesis 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now that doesn't sound like anything God would say. It doesn't sound like God would say, go perform human sacrifice. Now I know teenagers can be difficult, but this is a little bit dramatic. It's a little bit extreme. But Abraham goes. And even in the middle of what must have been the most traumatic instruction you could ever receive and that he had ever received, he held on to that belief, God is going to build a nation through me. He had faith. God was going to build a nation through him. And Abraham says something to some of his servants that kind of give us an insight into the faith that he had. Genesis 22 verse 5 says, He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I go, while, while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and we will come back. So he didn't understand how, but he knew that somehow God was going to deliver. And that's exactly what God did. Abraham is actually going to go through with it. God stops the whole thing, provides a ram to sacrifice instead. And then God says this, I now know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your only son. And that's how God used an unlikely person to birth a nation that would eventually birth a savior. And it all started with an unlikely guy who came from a family of idol worshipers to have and encourage him to leave. And he went and he had faith. So never think you're too full of mistakes. Never think it's too far gone. Never think you have too many regrets or you're too young or too old or not talented enough to be used by God because that's precisely the kind of people that God uses. And this little boy, Isaac, he grew up. Isaac grew up and got married. Then Isaac had sons. And one of Isaac's sons had 12 sons that became the 12 tribes of Israel, one of which birthed Jesus Christ. So the big picture is God is pursuing us. And hopefully today you got a few pieces of the puzzle together. And you saw how this unlikely person was used and his faith was used to begin a nation. See, Isaac at the end here was a test because that would be the same area of the world, of, of that region, where another son would be up on a mountain as a sacrifice. That's the same area where God's son, Jesus Christ, was sacrificed. And it all starts to come together and see how God's sacrifice of his son, which was complete. Abraham's was incomplete. God's was complete. And then Satan's head was crushed. And the consequences of sin were done away with because of the sacrifice of Christ. And because of that, you can jump in on and be a part of God's story. And I encourage you today, if you don't know how to do that, come and talk to me after the service. I'm right down front here. If you're here for the first time, I'd also love to meet you. Come down front and you can be a part of God's story. Let's pray.
God, thank you for this amazing story of Abraham who shows us what faith really is. May we be encouraged by it and may we follow you because of it. God, no matter who we are, allow us to be open to be used by you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.